I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Seminole Softball Wrap Podcast. It's another ACC preview episode. If you missed it already, we had one about a month ago. It was Boston College through NC State. Yeah, we're doing an alphabetic. Lee, alphabetically is the correct way to say that one as I as I try to remember English. Uh, we're doing the rest today. So we're picking up at North Carolina, heading through Notre Dame, Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Again, if you're looking for the rest of them, Boston College, Clemson, Duke, Georgia Tech, Louisville, NC State, previous pod, go hunt it down, go find the article. Brian Pellerin, Gwen Rhodes, two of us here as always. Gwen, before we get into that, though, I did want to first kick it your way, uh, Kocha, to be inducted in the NFCA Hall of Fame. Obviously a huge honor. Yep. Well-deserved. Yeah, I, I don't think people probably understand, I guess, what the NFCA is, um, but it's, you know, National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. So, you know, coaches from every division and everything like that sit on the board, you know, presidents, vice presidents, stuff like that. And I believe Kocha has had that on her resume as well. But um, just like her record alone gets her into the Hall of Fame, not even, you know, being on the board and everything like that. Obviously, that helps. But I mean, just her outstanding head coaching career at Florida State and beyond. Yeah, the record really speaks for itself. I mean, 716, 198 and two. Uh, obviously all the success at Florida State in terms of this program specifically I mean obviously it's it's what we talk about but um, I mean the imprint she has just on Florida State immense yeah I mean if you want to boil it down to a few players obviously coaches the pitching coach so you think about people like Megan King Jessica Burroughs um, Lacey Waldrop obviously Kat Sandercock like those are the players that come out of her program and have um, with outstanding careers, outstanding records. Um, Some go on to play professionally, some go on to play for the national team, um, other things like that. So if you want to look at one area of what makes coach a great um, pitching is definitely one of them. Yeah, certainly it seems like that's the strength. That's where you've seen this program built. It's something we talked about last year a ton was, the strength was in the circle and finding different ways to score. And it's, it's, I guess, become Florida state's brand of softball. You've seen this program really take on her, her guidance and obviously really live it. You know, it's, it's kind of what I talked about uh, on the football podcast this week was your, your need to have a brand in college athletics nowadays. And, and she is Florida state's brand and, and they live it. Yeah. And you just look at, um, if you want to go on Tomahawk Nation, Charles May did a really great job about highlighting what Coach has done for Florida State over the past several years. And 
you know, you look at her record starting in 2009, she had 44 wins, which is awesome and amazing, but she builds on that every year. And last year they, the program had 58 wins. Um, so being able to build upon coming in in 2009 of, you know, following Joanne Graff and these high expectations um, that the softball program was probably putting on her, like following an icon like jo- Dr. Joanne Graff, you you want to fill the shoes and then some. And I think that's what co- Coach has done. She's got a, I want to say, a, a tough path ahead of her this year, but obviously a lot to replace, uh, especially in the circle from last year's team, the lineup and things. We can, and we'll, we'll get to the roster preview episodes, I'm sure, some here during the offseason. But uh, it's part two of the ACC preview. The first team on that list is North Carolina. Uh, last year, 26 and 28, no games against Florida State, 13 and 10 in the conference, though, a quarterfinal loss to Clemson, no postseason. So what do you see from the Tar Heels? It's they're one of the teams that I'll be really fascinated to watch this year, just because I feel like over the offseason, their um, longtime head coach, Donna Popper, retired and she was, you know, like coaches, she was an icon of the game. Um, and so it's, you know, what is North Carolina now? Um, and they do lose a couple key transfers. They lose Alex Brown, who went to Clemson. She was their um, main shortstop and really good in the lineup. Um, and they also lose, lose Lily Backus, who was an outstanding pitcher for them. She came in as a freshman, kind of set everything ablaze um, ha- and has been really solid for them the last two years. But she moves on to Georgia. Um, and they also lose two key seniors, Abby Settlemeyer and Bree Stubbs. So they're gone due to graduation. Um, but they do bring in Britton Rogers from Georgia. They bring in Autumn Owen from Marshall and they bring in Alex Coleman from Marshall, who I'll get to it a little bit later, but they follow their head coach um, from Marshall to North Carolina um, back to their home state. I believe both of them are Tar Heel, tar heel born and bred. Um, <laughs> but Britton Rogers at UGA, she didn't really see a lot of playing time the last couple of years that she was there. She only had 19 starts, 125 innings and 100, 100, 100 strikeouts. Sorry. Um, so she doesn't really see a lot of time, but she does bring that SEC experience in um, when you lose someone like Lily Backus to literally the swap of UGH North Carolina. Um, you want someone with the high caliber experience. It doesn't really you know, matter that she didn't really start that much or she didn't really see that many innings. She um, played in one of the best conferences in the country. Um, and then Autumn Owen, she comes over from Marshall, like I said, probably one of the best in Marshall program history. Um, she was the 2023 Sunbelt first team um, All-American. She had the Sunbelt triple crown. So that means she led the conference in batting average, home runs and RBIs. Um, so she was at Marshall for two years, I believe, um, after she came over from Gardner-Webb in um, for her freshman season. So she was the Big South uh, freshman of the year at Gardner-Webb. Um, so she brings that high velocity, high experience um, over to North Carolina as well. And then Alex Coleman follows also for Marshall, a 2023 first teamer um, in the Sunbelt Conference. She led the conference in hits. She had the second highest batting average in the conference. Um, and she had a 411 career batting average at Marshall as well. Um, and like I said, those two players do follow their head coach, uh, Megan Smith-Lyon, who is a North Carolina alum. She spent the last um, couple seasons at Marshall. She had the program um, set a new record for total wins at 45 last season. Um, so she really elevated that Marshall program for what it is at a mid-major. And also Corey Lyon, her husband, also was an assistant coach at Marshall as well and is now the assistant coach at um, North Carolina. He's their hitting coach. He you know, helped Marshall become this big power team that they are in the Sun Belt and 
previous conferences and develop into a really great mid-major. Um, so he brings that high-level hitting experience as well. When you look at this team this this upcoming year, what what are realistic expectations for North Carolina? Obviously missing the tournament last year and, and out quickly in the ACC tournament. They were better in ACC play than they were overall. Yeah, I, I think that obviously their goal is to kind of fill the hole in the circle that Lily Backus leaves. I, I do think maybe offense is probably a little bit more of their focus this season and kind of fill in the pitching as it goes and kind of go from there. But I, I do expect, obviously there may be some ups and downs throughout the season. And I, I don't, I, I would assume they'd probably stay in that mid tier of the conference. I don't really see them going up to like a Clemson or Duke level, um, at least not in the first couple of years. I, I would really like to see them get up there in the next couple of years. So. Uh, I should have mentioned at the top of this, we, we coined last time as the like, you know, like the penthouse and, and I guess like the bottom of the conference. And this is kind of this, the the middle pack, right? Like we talked about, these are all going to be teams that were kind of holding in the middle last year and, and kind of needing, uh, I don't want to say something to change, but, but, you know, needing to take a step forward to really start being in that competitive level. Uh, Nor- Notre Dame is another one of those teams, 30, 19 and one, probably, uh, the best of the chunk, I guess Virginia Tech's still down there too, but uh, Florida State swept them last year, 5-4 and 8, 11-2 and 5, and then 12-0-5. Overall, they were 11-12, and 11-12 and 1 in conference. So it's almost an inverse of North Carolina, though the overall season was better, uh, but worse in conference than they were overall. Uh, the ACC tournament, they were out in the first round, 8-1, and knocked out of the Fayetteville Regional in the, the loser's bracket game. Uh, what do you got from Notre Dame? Notre Dame, I... Notre Dame is always very competitive. I, you know, picture them being the same thing this season. They're always kind of that little pesky team that always wants to stick around as long as they can, but they do lose kind of a, a lot of needed experience in those key players that they've had the last couple of years aren't going to be there any longer. Um, they only have one transfer out of the program, Jolie Mitchell, who was their team leader in batting at um, their team leader. Um, in batting average um, did transfer over to Texas. So she's down at the 40 acres. Now they graduate a few key players as well. Leah Hanks and Lexi Rosco, who were starters. Um, and then they lose Peyton Tid in the circle, which is probably the most important factor out of all of that, because she's been their workhorse for the last several years. She, she was very reliant um, and graduating someone like Peyton Tid. It's a huge question mark that you have to fill if you're Notre Dame, um, but they do bring in, Alexis um, Loudenschlager, question mark. I think you nailed it. Okay, there we go. Yeah, from, nailed it. From Princeton, who was the Ivy League player of the year or Ivy League pitcher of the year the last two seasons. So she brings really great winning experience. I mean, you can look at the Ivy League however you want to look at it. But I mean, winning the Ivy League pitcher of the year for two seasons is an incredible feat that she has captured. Um, and last season she had 179 strikeouts and she has almost 400 for her career. So I think bringing in someone like Alexis is going to be great to fill that painted role. When you look at this team, is it the same thing? Where did they kind of push forward? Obviously you make the the postseason that that's better than a lot of the teams in this group, but um, obviously not the way they kind of want the season to go. How do you improve? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously losing those key players like um, Leah Hanks and Lexia Roseco are going to be hard, but that's when you need the people that have been there for the last couple of seasons who are now probably seniors and juniors to step up. You'll need maybe one or two key freshmen. Obviously, they're going to have 
Karina Gaskins back. She was very great for them last season. She was the ACC Triple Crown winner a couple seasons ago, I believe. Um, people like Jane Cronenberger, um, Macy Eck, those type of people, those are players that they're going to want to step up. Um, and you have Michaela Castor in the circle to kind of go against Alexis also because she was that one and two with Peyton last season. Um, and having her take that next level as well um, for Michaela is probably what is going to develop Notre Dame into the pitching staff that they want to be. Pitt steps up next, 24 and 25 last year, so sub 500, 16 and 17 in the ACC. Missed the ACC tournament, missed the postseason altogether. Where does Pitt go from there? Honestly, like, you know, you look at Pitt and it's like truly the only thing they can go was up. Um, they kind of had a, a clearing house a little bit um, this season as well. They, I, uh, Their head coach left, the one who was there the last couple seasons. So she departed the program um, and they bring in one of the absolute probably best people they could hire, um, Jenny Allard from Harvard, who was the Harvard head coach for the past 28 seasons. So having a tenured you know, coach with that much experience at Harvard and a high level program, you know, Harvard's one of the best in the Ivy league as well. Like bringing that over, she is the longest tenured Ivy league coach in softball and she's a NFC hall of famer as well. Um, so kind of tying that back to coach up, Pitt has an NFC hall of fame coach as well. Um, That'll certainly help. Th- yes. She has a third, uh, 342, uh, 130 and one record as head coach at Harvard. Um, so she has that experience. She brings in a staff. She brings in her associate head coach from Harvard, Lacey Schur, um, who had the 101 and 81 record at Harvard along. And then she brings in some youthful experience, some newer faces to the scene in her coaching staff as well. So she brings Jordan Dale over to be her pitching coach. Jordan Dale spent the last season at North Carolina as their, I believe, graduate pitching coach or, you know, grad grad student volunteer coach, that kind of position. Um, but she now has a full-time job at Pitt as their um, pitching coach. And she did um, play her career at Oregon and she plays professionally for the Texas Smoke. So Jordan does know that high-level softball. She gets, you know, where Pitt needs to go in the circle. Um, unfortunately for Pitt, they do lose one of their better pitchers. They lose Danny Drugmuller, who transfers over to Duke. Um, so it's kind of filling that role of what does the Duke pit or the pit pitching staff look like? That's kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> um, and if you lose someone like Danny, who transfers over as a grad student to Duke, where do you get that experience from? Um, they also do lose Bailey Drapola out of the lineup. She transferred to USF. Um, just due to graduation, they lose E.C. Taylor, Sarah Siemens, and Yvonne Whaley. So three or four key players out of the lineup that are just gone now for Pitt. Um, but they do bring in a pretty good uh, transfer class. They bring in uh, Olivia Stefani from Akron, who is that pitcher that hopefully is going to get those um, innings of experience and kind of bring over that experience from Akron as well. She does have a 5.55 career ERA. Um, but she did have a 3.09 ERA last season. Um, she didn't really see too many innings last season. She only had 22.2, but just that level of experience, I think is going to be great for them. They also do bring over Desiree Martinez from Bethune-Cookman, who had a 259 batting average last season and brought in 25 RBI. Uh, they also bring over Kira Pittman from Maryland, who has that power five experience. She didn't see a lot of innings last season at Maryland, um, and she only had a 2-0 record. So 
not a lot of time over at their previous institutions, but I think it'll be a great time for them to develop to develop at Pitt, um, especially under the head coaches that they're going to have. And lastly, they bring over KK Esparza from Ole Miss, so SEC Power 5 experience as well. She redshirted last season, um, but she does have a 204 career batting average with the Rebels and 15 RBI. So she's, she's seen high-level pitching in the ACC, and she knows how to hit, um, and she probably won't be that phased by a lot of the great ACC pitchers that we have. Um, but yeah, those are some of the tra- some of the transfers that Pitt brings in. I'm really excited to see how that works out for them because I, you know, you lose a lot of experience. You have a new head coach who is a really great head coach and knows what needs to be done on the softball diamond, um, and especially for a program like Pitt who has been struggling the last couple seasons and has been at the bottom of the ACC. Um, they do bring in some really great freshmen as well. Um, a couple infielders um, that were, you know, ranked in the extra inning class of 100 elite rankings. Um, so they bring in four freshmen that are all ranked in those rankings. So they have Jordan George, who was ranked 79th for this coming season. Jace Jackson, who was ranked fourth in the infield for 2021. Amari Braden, who was 14th for 2021. And Hannah Greer, who was 36 for 2021. You almost wonder if with the new coach, uh, essentially the new system around there, it's a team that right. kind of gets better as the year goes on, kind of learns how to play uh, under that new system and and gets better. The only team on this list that actually had a worse, uh, I, I don't know if it's technically worse because the conference, they were better, but uh, a worse overall record in the group here is Syracuse, 19-25-1. And one. Florida State swept them in all four games, 10-0-5, 5-1, 8-0-5. And then four one at the ACC tournament where they surprisingly got out of the first round. Uh, they were seven fifteen and one in the conference. Like I mentioned, they got out of the first round with an eight two win over Virginia, and then lost to Florida State. Of course, no postseason when you're going nineteen twenty five and one after that. But Syracuse, it, it seems like they're kind of trying to work their way out of the bottom of this conference. Yeah, I would. I don't know what I would like to see change at Syracuse for them to kind of get that next level up. But this season is not that season for change. Um, unfortunately, they do lose Ryan Starr, who was their, you know, no pun intended, star freshman, star. <laughs> star freshman last season. Um, she transferred over to Ole Miss um, to be with the Rebels. So um, she'll most likely be their starting, starting shortstop over there. Um, they also lose Kaya Oliver to graduation. But, I mean, the good thing is, is that they bring back all the pitching from last season. Um, they have Matt. Madison Knight, Madison Knight and Lindsey Hendricks, who held it down in the circle um, for them. Madison Knight was a really, really great freshman for them. Um, I'm hoping to see her kind of continue that and lower her ERA a little bit for this upcoming season. She had almost a 3-0 ERA. Um, and Lindsey Hendricks had a little bit more elevated 4-30 ERA. So I think if you're Syracuse, you want to see Madison Knight continue to evolve and kind of continued into that starter role, hopefully, and have Lindsey Hendricks come in when is needed. Um, but they also do bring in one transfer from Purdue, Juliana Verney, um, who, like I said, is a pitcher. She only had 8.1 innings in her loan season at Purdue. So she doesn't have a lot of, you know, in-game experience, but just having that third pitcher on staff, because Kaya Oliver was that third pitcher for them, um, is going to be really great, and you don't always have to lean on Madison Knight or Lindsey Hendricks. Um, but all I really have outside of that, 
Um, they do have one freshman, Taylor Davison, who is a catcher who landed on the extra inning top 50 list. So they do bring in one really great freshman um, out of the few that they do bring in. So not a lot of change for Syracuse. Like I said, hopefully, you know, one does one change happens soon or like next season. I don't know what that would be, but like if you're looking at the program last season, you want to see someone like Ryan Starr stick around. And unfortunately she didn't. So yeah, it's kind of hard to determine really where Syracuse goes from here. Cause it just kind of feels like they're stagnant a little bit. I won't uh, bother asking what the expectations are because you already took it. So I'll just move it on to Virginia. Our second to last team here, 30 and 22 overall. Uh, a great overall record, but struggled in conference eight and 16. Uh, FSU beat them two out of three. So they're one of the few teams actually beat FSU this year. Six, one, five to six was the F- was the uh, Virginia win. And then eight, oh, in six, the other FSU win. They were out, like I mentioned, in the first round to Syracuse. No postseason there. Where does Virginia go from that? Yeah, I I think Virginia, when their head coach took over a few seasons ago, she had her sights set on really getting better each season. And that's what I personally feel like has happened. Um, They do lose three transfers out of the program. Molly Group, who's a pitcher, she transferred in-state to James Madison. Gabby Baylog out of the lineup, transferred down to Florida Atlantic. And then Michaela Fox transferred out to Southern Miss. Um, And they just lose Tori Gilbert to graduation and Jenny Bressler in the circle also to graduation who came over the grad transfer. Um, so they do unfortunately do lose two key staple pitchers. I feel like they've had a pretty deep pitching staff the last couple of years and they lose two of that this season. Luckily they still have Eden Bigham who um, was a stellar in the circle last season as a freshman. She like um, Madison Knight and a couple other freshmen, obviously like McKenna Reed as well, just kind of set, the country on alert about what they can do in the circle as a freshman and kind of set, you know, sights on them for going forward for the next four years. So I'm excited to see what Eden Bigham develops into. Um, they do bring in a really, really great freshman class. They have five incoming freshmen who are on that extra inning top 100 list. They have infielder Bree Biddle, who is number 100, catcher Melissa Carr, who is 60th, infielder Macy Eaton, who is 31st. Um, pitcher Julia Cuzo, I believe um, she's 23rd and then infielder Bella Cabril, who was 51st. So you also want to see that pitcher Julia step up as well and kind of help Eden out. So if, you know, Julia is, if, you know, Julia's ready to start as a freshman and like Eden was last season, I think having her in the pitching staff to make it a lot deeper is going to help them as well. Yeah, with that much youth, you'd got to think they would be one of the teams probably in this group you'd expect to be competitive, if not maintain their level, or at least maybe help that push forward a little bit. Yeah, I I definitely want to see them maintain the level that they've had the last couple of seasons. I think they've had really great recruiting recruiting classes um, coming in as freshmen. So, you know, having them build upon each other is only going to make Virginia better in the next couple of seasons and hopefully this season as well. The last team of the group, Virginia Tech, 39-20 and 20 overall. FSU swept them all four games, 4-1, 6-3, 16-7, which sounds like a football score, and 5-9-1 in six, the ACC tournament. Uh, in the ACC, they were 14-10. and 10. They beat Louisville in the quarterfinals before losing to FSU in that semifinal game. And then they lost the championship game of the, of the uh, Athens Regional. That was Georgia beat them in the winner's bracket. 
they dropped in and lose bracket won that game and then lost to Georgia. So Virginia Tech was the top of the group coming into uh, of the teams we had listed today. Do you, you kind of figure they're kind of similar in that same spot this year? Yeah, I think they're kind of up there with the, you know, top tier of schools like FSU, Duke, Clemson, that kind of um, top tier. Um, they do unfortunately lose a really great senior class that had a lot of players. So they lose Jamie Bailey, Kelsey Bennett, Meredith Law, Kelsey Brown, and Morgan Overitis. Um, as seniors, they don't really have anyone that has started or made too much of an impact transfer out of the program. They've had a couple other players transfer out, but nothing too damaging for the program. Um, they do bring in three transfers. They bring in Cassie Glizzard from Louisville, who had a pretty good showing in Louisville, I would say. She put, played 29 innings, had 29 strikeouts, um, and held opponents to a 222 batting average. So she has experience in the circle, obviously in the ACC as well. They bring in Corey McMillan from Radford, who had a 345 batting average, 102 hits, and 59 RBI. So she comes up to the next level from a mid-major at Radford. Um, after spending her freshman season in 2022, she was a top 25 finalist for NFC freshman of the year. Um, and they also bring in CC Fleming from Wichita state who only spent one season at Wichita state and she was a red shirt. So she comes in as a red shirt freshman, not really any in-game experience, but you can hope that she would develop their Virginia tech. Um, they also bring back people like Lindsey Grine and Emma Lemley, who are the staples in their circle. So I'm hoping someone like Cassie Glizzard can come over and make that almost three-headed monster. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're an FSU fan, you don't want the three-headed monster. But if you're just a fan of softball, you you want <laughs> kind of that three-headed monster out of Virginia Tech. Um, because I feel like they're still a little bit trying to replace Keila Rochard from a couple years ago. So they also have a really great freshman class as well. They have infielder Emily Leggett, who was the last three seasons, the Miami Herald player of the year coming out of plantation, Florida. Um, catcher Zoe Yeager is 38th on the extra inning top 100 list. Outfielder Lila Blackwell was a PGA PGF all American and a 13th ranked outfielder as a junior in high school. And then you also had infielder Anika Rose, who was also a PGF All-American. So they bring in really talented freshmen, which I expect Virginia Tech to do. Um, and then last season, we talked about this a little bit, but they lost their pitching coach at the start of the season. So they pretty much played the entire season without a solidified pitching coach. They have one now. They bring over Josh Johnson from Mississippi State, who was outstanding at Mississippi State. He developed Pitchers like Annie Willis and Aspen Wesley over there with the Bulldogs. Um, and in his four seasons at Mississippi State, he reduced their ERA from a 336 to a 266 team ERA. So he has a really great history of developing those pitchers and kind of getting them where they need to be for the conference. Yeah, I would say that's a that's a if you can basically save you a run going from no conference or from no pitching coach to to one that can save you a run per game off of off the average there is obviously a huge difference. Uh, you've got to expect that to make a difference, <laughs> obviously. Mm -hmm. um, out of the group, it, it is Virginia Tech, the, out of the ones we talked about today, the one you think is, is the most likely to challenge, if any of them are? Yeah, I think Virginia Tech and maybe Notre Dame. Um, like I said, I think Notre Dame is kind of always that thorn in the side. Um, but the biggest question I have with Notre Dame is what they do in the pitching circle. I think they can always get it done on offense, but how do they handle the, the pitching? 
I think that uh, about covers it for us uh, on the on the softball side of things. Again, the rest of the group, the Boston College to NC State is on the first round of the podcast, and I'll I'll save the schedule talk because I was going to go through which one of the teams are uh, on the schedule this year, but we'll save schedule talk for next time because I know you've got uh, you've got a tournament heading your way this year. I've got a tournament heading my way this year, so um, I think we can make that a longer conversation on the next show. The one thing I did want to mention: you're in your cold weather gear. I, despite being in Tampa in my cold weather gear, but it's not quite as cold, I don't think, as it was for you this weekend at the Kibbe Dome. Uh, how was the Kibbe Dome? I have to know. Yes. Yeah, so if you were a fan, I would say just of sports in general or college sports, you know, the infamous Kibbe Dome at the University of Idaho. Um, the University of Idaho is only about like 15 minutes away from me, and I have not been to a game at the Kibbe Dome all season. And uh, on Saturday, they hosted, I think, the quarterfinals of the FCF, FCS playoff, which they unfortunately lost. Um, but it was a good game up until I left in the fourth quarter. But I only left in the fourth quarter because it was starting to snow so bad. And obviously, being in the Kibbe Dome, you don't realize that it's snowing outside. Um, so I unfortunately had to leave early. But it was really fun. I think it lived up to exactly the hype that it very well deserves. Um I think the Idaho fans bring a different energy that I've never gotten at a game before because it only seats like 16,000 people. And I feel like sometimes those 16,000 people feel like the energy is like you're a doke or something like that. Um, Just like the wild, crazy energy. And they have a really great fight song that I really enjoyed. Um, Let's hear so it. Sing it. Let's go. I can't sing it, actually. Mm, okay. I'm just going to... I'm just going gonna... to... I'm going to instruct people to go on YouTube and listen because I'm always a fan of a fight song that you have to spell out the name, like obviously Washington State or Florida State. So they do that. Clemson does the same. Yeah. So they do that I-D-A-H-O. And I think they say go, go, go or something like that. But it's really fun. Um, Unfortunately, at Washington State, they do not sell beer in the stadium. But at the Kibbe Dome, they do. There you go. <laughs> I, did, I did enjoy a beverage. Um, and they also have this really cool system where it's like, if you go and buy beer, you can purchase a token um, and redeem it for a beer. So you're like purchasing the token, but you're redeeming it for a beer. So you don't have to like, say you buy three beers. You, you don't have to, you can buy two tokens. Oh. So you don't have to swipe your card three times, if that makes sense. Okay. I thought that was very, very clever thing to do because I kind of, saves time i guess because you're just like yeah here's my little chip and can i get a beer and they're like yeah so that was cool um it's a pretty simple layout i would say because it's kind of like i don't know because obviously you can go on either side of the concourse and then obviously the kibbe dome is enclosed but it's almost like a hallway to go in between both concourses um so that's pretty interesting um, the goalposts are there's not like a middle goalpost that like holds it up it like comes out of the wall almost and it's also held up from the ceiling um so there's no like support bottom support beam you know the weird the lateral, the lateral one it's just the horizontal middle beam um but yeah it, that was it i i left right before they started to do bad they were playing university of albany um of jared verse i was gonna say shout out jared verse (laughs) of jared verse fame (laughs) yeah so they were playing the university of albany i guess albany's kind of always been a great team i didn't i didn't know this um and they had a really fun if i had to compare the two 
like little intro videos because it's, you know, an NCAA sanctioned event. So they kind of kept it as neutral as possible. Um, so they played like U University of Albany hype video and they played Idaho's hype video. And I think Idaho's was significantly cooler. The, the <laughs> Albany one was was kind of weak. I won't lie. Um, and so that's your classic NCAA sanctioned uh postseason right you see it a lot in the in the NCAA tournaments for baseball and softball yeah, yeah. so they kind of tried to keep it as fair as possible I guess there were Albany fans there I didn't I didn't see any but um my first ever Kiwi Dome experience was great I kind of hope to go back to one like maybe during the earlier part of the season so it's not snowing when I leave um but it was it was pretty easy to like navigate too I mean the University of Idaho isn't a big campus but pretty simple in my opinion there you go. It sounds like a pretty uh, bucket listy type college sporting event or sporting oh, location. Yeah. I got I, you posted the uh, post on Instagram. You were there, and I was like, "Oh, so jealous." <laughs> and I'm now realizing you mentioned Death Valley. You meant Clemson. I don't know. I don't even remember saying that to be quite yeah, honest. You, you said something like about how you're probably just high off of your beverages. Oh yeah. I mean, it. either one. If you want to take it as LSU, <laughs> you can, Brian. It's okay. No, it's okay. I'll be, I'll be offended. It's fine. <laughs> um, So, you know, we've taken this in kind of a whenever we've got time, we'll squeeze them in as we can since we both, you know, have day jobs and do this as a fun thing on the side. So I'm not going to make a promise on when the next one is coming. Um, Obviously before the season, probably after the holidays, if I had to guess. And we'll probably at that point be able to do some schedule type stuff we'll do some roster type stuff look specifically at florida state who you may have noticed we specifically left out of that group of teams before uh and, and we'll really kind of dive closer into what's ahead of this year ahead of us this year are you excited i saw a little bit of a smile seems excited i am excited yeah like you like you said one of the tournaments is coming my way um because obviously if you live under a rock and you have not seen the schedule um they are playing a tournament at the university of oregon this season so that'll be exciting yeah, we're looking forward to the tournament here. I was talking about the, uh, I'm in Tampa and, you know, we got the St. Pete Clearwater Invitational over here. So um, one of the other great tournaments of this team, of this uh, college football, college football, college softball <laughs> season. Yep. It's too much going on, man. Well, until after the holidays, I guess that that's going to do it, huh? Yep. Happy Betty, y'all, that's a wrap.